Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. The four-hour school day, how you and your kids can thrive in the homeschool life, and unhurried grace for a mom's heart. It's a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms. If you enjoyed The Unhurried Homeschooler, I encourage you to check out The 4-Hour School Day. It's kind of like an expanded version of The Unhurried Homeschooler. I'd also want to let you know you can find those books at Amazon.com. You can find them at my website, DorendaWilson.com. Or you can find The 4-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the two places that I mentioned I also want to let you know that I am only doing one podcast a week during the month of October. I gave a little update earlier in the month, so if you didn't get to hear that, please go back and listen and you'll understand why I had to cut things down just a little bit, needed to streamline this month. Um, But in the meantime, I would love for you to listen to episodes that you haven't heard or want to revisit. There are somewhere in the neighborhood of 350 episodes um, that I have done and they are on my website. But the best part is that there is a search bar at the top of the list of episodes on my podcast page on my website. So you can put any keyword in there, discipline, high schoolers, uh, struggling learners, ADHD, whatever you need to hear about and be encouraged in, put that in the in the search bar and the episodes that have those things in them will come up. So I encourage you to do that during the month of October. I also want to let you know that I have an online mentoring course. Some of you may not know that. But in this mentoring course, um, I encourage moms to simplify, slow down, and enjoy their homeschool days with confidence and courage. This online mentoring course will include workshops that help moms grasp what unhurried homeschooling looks like during each of their children's developmental stages, along with lists of resources that I've found helpful over the years. The videos can be watched whenever it works for you. The course also includes extra workshops on mom self-care and nurturing your marriage throughout the homeschool years. I encourage you to go check out this budget-friendly video online course. And then last but certainly not least, I would love for you to check out Homeschooling Today, which is my favorite homeschooling magazine. And I'd love for you to just listen in for just a minute for a few more details on that. When it comes to homeschooling, isn't it discouraging to see so much on social media that simply doesn't match your reality? Life is messy. Kids can be exhausting. School doesn't always go as planned. Sometimes we all need some real encouragement, some real, truly practical help. That's one of the reasons I write for Homeschooling Today magazine. The entire team at Homeschooling Today wants you to know that messy, exhausting, imperfect homeschooling is an incredibly beautiful thing because it's real life as we take an unhurried, bold approach to homeschooling our kids. An approach that says, I won't compare my homeschool to others. I'll teach the kids God has given me in the way that he leads me to do it. I want to encourage you to check out Homeschooling Today magazine. It is an amazing resource for the unhurried homeschooling mom. (music) 
Today, we're going to be talking about how to find a biblical church. Many of you have messaged me with concerns about the church that you currently attend, or you're struggling to find a biblical church and you aren't sure uh, what exactly to look for. So I thought it would be great to have Wes Johnson back on the podcast to share with us how to find a biblical church. He's one of the elders at our Church at the Barn, a husband and homeschooling father of four. Uh, he has joined me for several other episodes, and I will leave the links to those in the show notes. Um, the last episode we did was called The Dangers of the Self-Help Culture. I think you guys will be really uh, interested to hear that one. It was it was really good. I, I learned a lot, too. It was great. But welcome back, Wes. Um, we'd love for you to share with us your thoughts on finding a biblical church. Yes, Absolutely. And uh, that can be quite the feat mm -hmm. in 2022 American <laughs> society. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. COVID, COVID did a number and really kind of in, in many ways, I think, was good for being very uh, revealing yep. in terms of where churches were biblically rooted and yep. grounded. Um, so, yeah. 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 So there was some blessing there, but there was also a tremendous amount of displacement there. And there's yes. been something that's happening of late that I really do think uh, the Lord used COVID as some semblance mm -hmm. of a chain reaction mm -hmm. of sorts mm -hmm. um, that really in some ways created this uh I, I don't know if it's large enough that I could call it an eruption, but a shockwave maybe mm -hmm. of maybe the beginnings of Reformation, mm -hmm. the beginnings of revival, um, that you're starting to see a resurgence of seriousness in preaching, of seriousness in worship, of seriousness, uh, sort of a a reaction to what you might think of as soft, shallow, right. evangelical, you know, okay. whatever. I have a little side question for yeah. you because you use the term reformation, you use the term revival. Sure. Can you define those? Because yeah. moms might be listening and assuming, oh, I'm assuming I'm supposed to know exactly what those mean, but I really don't. So I'm going to yeah. ask for you, moms. <laughs> you're <Yeah>. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, with a reformation, basically what you're talking about is uh, we've got a, a, a true church. There's a saving gospel there. Mm -hmm. um, there are people who are legitimately yeah, love Jesus and saved by him, but there are some pretty deep issues. Uh, may, maybe it's issues of compromise. Maybe it's issues of we've got the right doctrine on paper, but none of that's really expressing itself in mm -hmm. our households mm -hmm. or in our relationships. Right. It, it hasn't really made it to the point of it's being worked out uh, in our hands right. in a significant way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, and so oftentimes, now sometimes it can also be doctrinal issues. If you go back to uh, the place where we really popularized the term Reformation, it would be the Protestant Reformation. Reformation, right. which took place in the 16th century. Um, figures like Martin Luther and the Catholic Church obviously being uh, in the forefront. And really what they were saying is um, there's enough right doctrine here that we're not saying that this isn't a church. We're just saying it's badly in need of reform. Mm. They weren't actually trying to start a separate thing. Right. They were trying to reform, correct, uh, retool the thing that already was. Mm -hmm. And so that's what Reformation is. It's not uh, split off and do something separate. It's not blow it up and destroy it. Right. It's, hey, there's, re there's a really good form here, um, but it needs to be reshaped in some ways. And so we want to tweak it. Mm -hmm. 
so that's Reformation, basically. Uh, whereas Revival is not just errors of like an intellectual nature, or there's a disconnect with this, or, hey, we've rethought this or that, and this needs to be reformed. It's saying, hey, there actually there are gross and obvious sins that are being committed among this group of people or that group of people. And what we need is a revival, which I like to call repentance on a broad scale. Right. You know? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and uh, It just takes a little longer to say it. <laughs> yeah, it that's correct. It does. It does. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but so if, if I can think about or, or just quickly say uh, a difference in the way that I often think about them is uh, reformation is often uh, intellectual. Uh, you're correcting modes of thinking, which obviously translate to modes of living, but it's like, no, our thinking needs to, needs to change here. Mm -hmm. Whereas revival is, you're often talking about, oh no, there's just gross rebellion against things that people actually do know mm -hmm. and just are unwilling to do. Mm -hmm. What we need to do is, is repent. Right. You know? Right. So, okay. Great. Yeah. Reformation and revival. Um, and yeah, I think both of those things are in infantile form beginning to take place in some pockets of at least American, at least the Western world. And I think COVID was one of the things that revealed the need for it mm -hmm. in a pretty big way. Yes. Hey, there's something wrong with the way that we're thinking about uh, church-state relationships, uh, which opened up all these other doctrines that we started looking at. Are we thinking biblically about X, Y, or Z? Uh, and then once that conversation gets had, there's then gonna be a group of people who say, you know what? I don't really have a good refutation of the biblical point that you've made, but I'm not gonna do it, mm -hmm. uh, right? Mm -hmm. And so there, was, uh, there were in lots of churches calls for reform mm -hmm. in response to what happened with closures, shutdowns, right, whatever. Right. And those calls to reform exposed needs for revival, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, which has led to new churches being started and uh, new networks being formed where like-minded people kind of found each other. Right. And now you're starting to see voices coming together right. that are moving in, in a really hopeful direction. Mm -hmm. So um, so anyway, um when you're talking about trying to find a church, and your listeners probably would track with everything that we were, were just talking mm -hmm, about, mm -hmm. you know, um, they may have been some of those that during that period of time kind of woke up and saw some things in their church, their local church. They right. were like, uh... I don't. I would. I don't know that I'd have used those two R words that the fancy guy used, but there's something wrong here, and I don't know that we could stay. Right. We need to find some place right. where people are saying things differently, or more boldly, or willing to stand for something, right. or whatever. Right. Um. And, and so that can that can be a, a difficult and trying thing to get to the place where, for some people, it was a church that they attended for years, yes. and yes. it was absolutely devastating yep. emotionally and interpersonally. It, I personally have one friend particularly that I that comes to mind who just it's been an ongoing just revealing and and then it's affected her family life as well her marriage and her children because her children are older and they've been in there in this church this you know, so it's just it's a mess. Mm. So yep. yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And so I don't want to speak any of uh, the the points that we'll make in a uh, a disconnected, detached, right. or scholastic way. Like right. there aren't real people, real friendships, right. real relationships, right. real investment mm -hmm. uh, in one place, such that this isn't just this isn't as simple as. Oh, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, just go find another church, you right. know, uh, that can be hard one in that, like we just talked about, the landscape can be kind of grim, yep. uh, because a lot of churches, 
uh, yeah, you're just like, there's no real doctrine. There's no real uh, robust teaching. Uh, there's not a real group of people who seem to be living this out particularly seriously. Mm-hmm. And we're looking for that kind of place. So it can be difficult on that front. But then on the other front, uh, as you come to that realization, the realization itself can be intri- incredibly trying mm-hmm. because there are people that while you may disagree with, you love. Right. You know? Absolutely. And so mm-hmm. all of those difficulties um, being on the table and, and factors in the conversation. But um, the first thing that I think families should do, uh, particularly husbands and wives, as they're looking for a, a church to call home, and this is going to sound like a lot of work. Everything I'm going to say is, in fact, it's a lot of work. So <laughs> sorry, but I don't know a shortcut around it. Right, okay? right. Um, is you need to do a study, and this will be a big word, so I'll, de- I'll define it. But you need to do a study on ecclesiology. Mm. Um, and that's just our, our doctrine of the church. Right. Uh, what does the New Testament tell us a church is supposed to be? Because if you haven't, if you haven't done that study, if you can't give, okay, uh, this is a mark of a, of a good church, and this is a mark of a good church, and this is a mark of a good church, and here's the verse where I get that, and here's the verse where I get that, right. if you haven't done that, right. uh, then what are you looking for? Right, right. Well, I'm going to direct moms, um, and I'll leave a link in the, in the show notes. You've done a couple of messages on this. Um, yes, that's right. That's a year right. A half ago, you, you started with... Um, who is the church and why does she exist? Yep. You know, so I will share those the links to those uh, sermons in there to get you started because yeah. there'll be plenty of scripture and things to to kind of get you da- going down that road. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah no, that's great. Uh, and so you you got to have a target, otherwise you won't hit anything. Right. You won't know what you're shooting for. Basically, if you don't do this study on biblical ecclesiology and really get your arms around what is a church supposed to be? What's her leadership structure? What is rightly dividing the word of truth? How do I know what a good sermon is versus a bad sermon? Right. Without the Bible's answer to those questions, you've got your feelings and your intuition. Right. And those aren't always wrong. Right. I don't want to denigrate that, excuse me, and say that those things are always inaccurate. Right. But if that's all you've got to go on, you're going to have to visit a thousand churches. Exactly. <laughs> right. And, and that's also, it's like your mood affects all those things too. It's so true. It is so, so true. My goodness. I heard someone talking a while back um, about this topic. And one of the things that they said was, um, you know, the, the preaching and high, hopefully I can word this right, that it it's not um, them trying to use scripture to prove their point, but rather getting their point from scripture. Correct. Exactly. That's kind of yep. the difference, mm-hmm. you know, because we've got a lot of topical preaching out exactly. there. Exactly. Telling great stories, got mm-hmm. all the emotion, fun to listen to, yep. funny, all those things. One passage mentioned in the right. whole thing. And, right. you know, rather than here is a passage, here is its context, here is its background, and this is what is here, and this is how we're applying it. Exactly. You know? So Exactly yeah. right. Yep. And that's one of the things in any real study of biblical ecclesiology that you're going to get to is, yeah, the word has to be at the center mm-hmm. and not just an appeal to a verse in the midst of your 30-minute talk, right. but an explanation. Speech. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. But you're mining out of the text right. what is there 
rather than you having crafted a talk and then you sprinkled it with some some verses on right. top of all the stuff that you right. wrote. Right. And there's a name for that type expositional. of expositional. Expositional. Yeah. Okay. Expositional preaching. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, you want to know what those what those marks are. Uh, what does Scripture say are non-negotiables mm-hmm. for? A, a local church right. and write those things down at the conclusion of that study. Um, and, and then after you have written those things down, what you believe are the non-negotiables in order for a church to actually qualify as a true church, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, once you have that list, uh, then what you want to do is you want to make a second list. Uh, and this list is your personal or uh, your family's theological distinctives mm-hmm. um, in the event that you have them. You right. know, um, that's not to say that you have to have them, but there's a spectrum of listeners, I'm right. sure, right. Uh, from those who don't know what I mean when I say theological distinctives right. to those who immediately had certain doctrines come to right. their mind when I said it, right? right? Um, <clears throat> and so in the event that you don't have uh, theological distinctives, meaning personal theological beliefs um, that Uh, you could be a Christian and believe something different, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's what makes it a distinctive. It's not a requirement for Christianity, um, but some examples would be like paedo-baptism versus Mm credo-baptism. So do you baptize babies or you only baptize professing adults, right? Right. That'd be a theological distinctive uh, if you hold to one versus the other. You wouldn't be saying, anybody who disagrees with me on this is damned to hell. Right, right. (laughs) You'd be saying, uh, I think that I'm right about this and I think that you're wrong about it, but I think that we'll shake hands in heaven, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that second list is not your non-negotiables. It's not, if you do this, you're a false church. Um, But it is a, we really strongly believe in these things. And so again, that could be questions of baptism. Um, That could be things about how communion is done, how frequently, how irregularly. Um, That could be uh, family integrated worship Mm -hmm. uh, versus uh, like, so everybody's in there, all the kids are are running around and yelling versus no, we want age graded ministries for for this reason or that reason. Which we prefer the former. We're just going to tell you that. Correct. Yes, we certainly do. (laughs) I love, (laughs) love hearing all the little voices and things during church. It's just... just seems so right that they should be there. And Absolutely. I love that. I remember years ago, we moved to a new area and didn't know anybody. And I thought, how do you get to know people? Well, find a local church. That'd be a great starting point. So yep. there weren't very many. So I just picked one, had a nice name. <laughs> <laughs> Peaceful Valley was the name of the church. Like, Who great. wouldn't want to go there? So <laughs> I called, uh, called the church because I wanted to ask a few questions. And um, the pastor picked up the phone, which was impressive to me. Yeah. There was no secretary. He's like, oh, here's the pastor. Okay. He's like, yeah, go ahead. Ask questions. So I asked him questions like, um, do you have programs for the kids? But my motivation was I didn't want a bunch of programs for right. the kids. Right. He later on, when we were having a conversation, got to know each other. He thought for sure he had answered all those questions wrong <laughs> in my mind because they didn't have a lot yeah. of programs. And and I'm thinking in my head when he said, no, we don't, we don't really actually have a lot of programs. We have You're this like, and yes. this and that's it. And I was like, yes, this is great. And, you know, just do you have any homeschooling families? Well, actually... Pretty much everyone who comes here homeschools. Okay, there we go. Some like-minded yeah. people in that way. Because, you know, there's just something about having at least another family there that's homeschooling sure. that can be super helpful. But to have that many more was great. Mm-hmm. Several big families. So it was just, you know, again, it was just those were the, you know, those aren't even like theological things. But they were sure, just preferences. Sure. But yeah. um, but it, it to me, it showed me, okay, if they don't have a lot of programs, they're clearly thinking in terms 
more in terms of family, yep. you know, if not everybody being at church all hours, Correct. all week long and having that expectation. And that was important to me. So, yep, yes. absolutely. And those are exactly the kinds of things that would go on this list, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because while they're not specific doctrinal positions, your preference in that direction is from biblical thinking. Right. 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 Uh, that didn't come out of nowhere. Right. That came <laughs> from true. somewhere, namely right. your understanding of God's word. Right. 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 And while we would grant that there would be people who would, you know, could be sitting uh, in a chair in this room who might disagree with us mm-hmm. and we could have that debate biblically, that doesn't change the fact that when you're looking for a church for your family, that's something you're right. looking for. Right. right. And you don't have to feel guilty about that. Exactly. <laughs> Correct. 100%. 100%. Uh, other examples would be um, music. You know, um, do you want some, a church that uses a psalter and sings the psalms and and hymns, or is contemporary stuff more your speed for whatever reason? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you could tell where I land because I'll say for whatever reason it's right. the ones that I don't actually like. <laughs> <laughs> we can't help our bias here. Sorry, that's correct. Folks. <laughs> that's correct. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's that second list. Mm-hmm. So you want to get your non-negotiables. And then you want to put down your theological distinctives. Mm-hmm. And again, if you don't have any, then that first study will be all the more helpful for you because you may develop some as right. you get into God's word, just trying to figure out what is what is the church? What's she for? How she's supposed to be governed and structured? And, and what are the non-negotiables? Exactly. Well, you know, yep. and I had a thought. Tell me what you think. Tell me, you can be honest if you think this is a bad idea. But we all know bigger ministries that um, are just well-known. You sure. know, for instance, John MacArthur's church. Yep. Uh, maybe somebody. Uh, has enjoyed his sermons, feels like he's very biblical and all of that. What about going like to his website, looking at his mission statement for his church, and then then breaking down the scriptures that he sure. provides for sure. those particular things and just to get to wrap your own head around, you know, something that you know is someone you know is solid and right. it's going to kind of bring a solid, um, mm-hmm. you know, mission statement out there for you, to a place for you to start. Yep. And I do think that's a, a wonderful idea. If there's a church that you've already got in your head that you're thinking, uh, I couldn't enumerate all of the things about this church that mm-hmm. I think make it faithful, but I think that it is, they've probably already enumerated that for you somewhere mm-hmm. on their website. Right, right. Yep. And I think that's, I think that's great. Okay. Uh, another place that you could go outside of the mission statement is uh, if they've got a members tab or something, mm-hmm. they'll often, or a membership something, they'll often just go ahead and give you their understanding of the church Okay, gotcha. In general. In case you're interested in becoming a member. Yeah, exactly. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so some symbols of an orientation uh, in the event that you were thinking about joining that church. And so those can be excellent starting points. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So you get those two lists going. Uh, again, so that you've got a target that you're shooting for, you know, and the only, the only caution I'll give with that one is obviously we live in a world where your access to the best Bible teachers, right. the best communicators, the most seasoned pastors is, uh, unlimited. Uh, and so, Temper your expectations, right. make sure that you're functioning on the basis of the principles that are on that list, not just the, 
I want you to say it as well as John MacArthur says it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you can get into that trap of I've been, you know, I've been pastored from a distance by MacArthur or Jeff Durbin or James White or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, I've been pastored from a distance, uh, you know, by this guy. And that makes it so that the guy in the barn in North Carolina just can't stack up. Right. You know. <laughs> right. Then it, then it kind of almost becomes a little bit of a consumer mentality. Sure. Yep, exactly. This is, exactly. This, is, this is what I prefer, so I'm not going to do anything until I can get what I prefer. Well, you might be looking for a very, very long time, or maybe you should move <laughs> right, you know, to right. Arizona or yep. California yeah, exactly. <laughs> to go to that church. Yep, you know? Exactly, so exactly. I think that's and a that's very the, And wise that's the warning. next thing. That's mm-hmm. the next thing. Determine if you're willing to move. Mm-hmm. So make mm-hmm. your, make your, or do your study. Go right. to some websites, look at some doctrinal statements, do your, your research on what do I believe biblical ecclesiology mm-hmm. is. Then write down your theological distinctives so you, you know what those are. They've been articulated and enumerated. Uh, and then third thing, determine if you're willing to move mm-hmm. uh, to go to a place where you know that right. that church is. And there are people doing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. In droves. In droves. Yeah. Yep. Just yeah. looking for that 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 community that they know yep. that they can connect with. And I know that's happening in Moscow. Idaho. Absolutely. Yep. Sort of taking over the taking over the town. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think yep. that's kind of an interesting thing because as they come together, um, what a, what a, an influence absolutely. on that, that area, you yeah. know? So yep. I always thought it was, you know, years ago I thought I couldn't quite wrap my head around the idea of moving someplace, um, one of the top priorities being the church that you were going to attend. And, and yep. it makes so much more sense now, all these years later, um, why that, if it's possible for you to do that and you feel like the Lord is leading you to do it, that that's not an an illogical reason to no, move someplace. No, it's a you primary know? reason. It really is. Right? If you believe about the church, what scripture teaches, mm-hmm. it's it's the Lord's engine for cultural revolution. Right. Uh, it's Jesus' body through which he's putting his enemies under his feet. Mm-hmm. So who you're going to get in that trench with is incredibly important. Right. Not to mention the fact that as you do your biblical ecclesiology study, you're going to encounter all sorts of passages like Hebrews 13, 17, that says that you're supposed to obey your church leaders and submit to their authority. Right. Which makes it, th- that means that this important is as decision was as what, excuse me, is as important as the decision you'd make about your job. Mm-hmm. Because that's a decision about who am I going to put right. myself under. Right. 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 Um, so who am I willing to let be m- my general on or on earth mm-hmm. as we're in this battle against yep. darkness and trying to push things forward? Yeah. It's that important. And as we're seeing things uh, get more heated yep. in our culture, I think uh, there it, it does become more and more uh, apparent that that is can actually and should be a priority. So yep. I love that. Yep. Oh. And so if you can move to be mm-hmm. at a place that's the sure thing, mm-hmm. then you should move to mm-hmm. be at a place that's the sure thing. Mm-hmm. It's that important. Wow. It's that important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. So determine if you're willing and able to move. Um, of course, there'll be situations where you can't. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, then what you do is you pick the best church given the list that you made right. that's in your area mm-hmm. and per some of the things we were talking about at the beginning, you work toward reformation at that place. Uh, you do that humbly. You do that patiently. Uh, you do that as a participant 
rather than as a critic from the sidelines, mm-hmm. right? Um, but if there's a place, there's there's a, a real gospel that's preached here. Um, there's real worship that's happening here. This this meets the non-negotiables. Uh, and maybe some of that second list is kind of like, uh, okay, uh, I I wish that this was a little bit different. And right. then down to the preferences, it's like maybe I don't prefer this or that or whatever. Um, but if it's a if it's the best church that exists in your area mm-hmm. per your study and your research, then I think the call is see if the Lord may use you to help reform that right. church in right. the ways that you believe it needs to be reformed. Mm-hmm. Now again. You're not going to do that by uh, walking in the front door the first Sunday and be like, hey, I've done some research about you sinners. And uh, while I believe you're saved, I think that I can save you a little bit further. So just <laughs> listen to me, follow my lead, and I'll tell you everything that's wrong with you. <laughs> right. Uh, obviously, that's not going to work. Uh, and so that's why those qualifiers for meaningfully working toward reformation where you are, are you're going to do that patiently. You're going to do that lovingly. You're going to do that as a participant, yeah. not a sideline critic and right? in relationship exactly with people within the church exactly you know, conversations exactly. through conversations having people over for dinner finding out where they're at encouraging them and you know just sharing your perspective on things if God allows that and Correct. and just those conversations can be the most influential absolutely um rather than someone you know grabbing a microphone and letting everybody know how it needs to be you know yep Yep. And yeah, because what you definitely don't want to do is you don't want to violate the text that I just cited, Mm -hmm. Hebrews 13, 17, where you intentionally went to a place so that you could try to overthrow the leadership that Mm -hmm. you were supposed to be in submission to. Right. So if you know out the gate that you can't submit to that leadership, don't. Don't Don't go. Because because then you're just disobeying the Bible. And it can become divisive. Absolutely. And the Bible speaks very clearly about divisiveness. And so nobody wants to go there. Correct. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So with those qualifiers in place, Mm -hmm. uh, you could pick the best one Mm -hmm. and you could ask the Lord to use you there Mm -hmm. mightily Mm -hmm. uh, to see reforms that you believe need to occur. And you may end up as you're doing that, the way the Lord leads, um, finding there are other people there who feel the same way. Exactly. So exactly. Who knows? Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yep. Exactly. And then last thing that I'd say on it is, uh, if every church around you is so far gone mm-hmm. that it's unconscionable right. for you to attend any of one, any of them, you've got to start a church. Mm. You've got to. And I realize people listening, especially if their moms are like, uh, I don't even think that the Bible says I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, what do you mean? Just start a church? Is it that easy? You know, um, but a starting point in that, if it really is, is just a desert land, you know, ecclesiastically, there is there are no church options that are doing or saying anything particularly faithful. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you know that you and your husband would immediately become divisive, mm-hmm. even if you weren't trying to. Right. It's just like you hand somebody a book and you just like that book's a landmine, you right, know, right. Uh, or whatever it is. You just know, like you're waiting for eruptions and infighting and drama, right. you know, or whatever. If you just know that that's the case, but then yeah, I, I think you've got to start one. But some starting places for that would be if there's a network, association, mm-hmm. or denomination that you know you're pretty closely aligned with, mm-hmm. call them. Mm-hmm. Go to their website, find the number, call them, and ask if there are any 
pastors that are getting ready to start a church in that area. They'll have a list of that. They'll know who those guys are. They're in relationship with them. They have coaching networks. They have training. They've got guys in the hopper that they're getting ready to send to this place Mm -hmm. or to that place. Mm -hmm. So that can be a really good starting place. Uh, And you you, you may be able to get uh, in on the ground floor, get attached to that uh, new pastor and his family, encourage Mm -hmm. them, walk alongside them, you know, whatever, and help that thing get started without you having to start it. Mm. Um, other things that you could do, uh, is they'll at least be able to tell you the closest church that is like that in your area. And so let, like, let's say that's an hour, hour and a half away, take one Sunday drive there. And you may find that there are people who are also driving that kind of a distance to be at that kind of place who actually have your zip code. Yeah. Right. Um, and that could become, could become the beginnings of something right there. Right. Um, another thing is if you know at least one other family who has been disgruntled, thinks the way that you think, believe what you believe, et cetera, et cetera, uh, all it takes to start a church is a living room and one other family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, in a lot of ways, that was the beginnings right. of our church. Absolutely. It was a living room mm-hmm. and a couple families mm-hmm. that were like-minded, mm-hmm. and the Lord's done what he's done. Right. Um, and so that's just to say, uh, do something, not nothing. Right. Because often what happens is we get some good online teaching mm-hmm. at a distance, mm-hmm. and we get a little bit arrogant, yeah, and we right. start to think, there are no good churches where I am that are, you know, <laughs> right. nobody believes what I believe, you know, right. all of those Pride. things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we actually just become the sideline critic mm-hmm. who can tell everybody what's wrong with every church, but isn't willing to take any action in order to remedy the problem that right. they have so well identified. Because it's hard work. Exactly. Relationships are hard work. And, and as we become more and more of an online society, uh, I think people are tending to lose touch with the work that it takes to be in a relationship yep. in real life. Right. You know, So I would love for you to speak to, because there may be peop- uh, moms listening who they've never quit doing online church. And I'd like mm. you to share why you believe it's important to be actually meeting in real life. Yeah, absolutely. Here's one of the main reasons. You can hide online. Mm-hmm. You can hide online. Uh, a huge percentage of our communication and, ina- and interaction actually happens non-verbally. Mm-hmm. That's our body language. Wow. That's our demeanor. Uh, that's our posture. That's what's happening with our eyes when somebody's talking to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, you can be whoever you want to be when there's a screen separating you and the person with whom you're mm-hmm. uh, communicating. Mm-hmm. And so the vi- the first thing is just to say you won't actually arrive at real relational intimacy when you're doing that digitally, Mm -hmm. because you're a sinner. Mm -hmm. And there's all sorts of parts of you that you would rather not be exposed in relationship that people can pick up on because God made us people who communicate with more than just our words. Mm -hmm. And that's because he knows that he needed to give us some tells. Right, (laughs) right, right, right. So that the covenant community can can come around and press in the places Mm -hmm. that they need to press, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And so that's a huge reason right there is if you take uh, Hebrews 10.25 that says, don't forsake the gathering, um, but rather what you're supposed to do is spur one another on, the word there actually means to irritate each other, Mm -hmm. to irritate each other. It's like, that means, it has to be somebody who it can access you right. in order to irritate you. Right. And it can't be as simple as 
I'm going to block that person's number. Right. <laughs> you you, have you don't to, get to do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You have to give them access to your life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's why membership at a local church is, I, I think, is assumed by the, mem- by the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Even the text that I've now cited twice, Hebrews uh, 13, 17, that you would submit to your leaders. Well, that assumes membership. Right. Otherwise, did that text just say, you have to, who, whose leadership are you submitting to? Every church in your zip code, mm-hmm. every church in your county, mm-hmm. and and who it also says that uh, local pastors are responsible for the people they pastor. Right. Who am I going to stand in front of God and give an account for? Uh, everybody that I've ever had a pastoral conversation with, right. or like no, it's your members. Right. And so I would say that the New Testament actually demands it. Now it demands it by implication mm-hmm. because it makes all kinds of statements that can only be true if local church membership is required, right? right? Uh, and so I think that scripture just flatly says, uh, yeah, you, you've got to do that. And the digital realm isn't a substitute for that because you're not accessible enough to really be rebuked, to really be corrected, mm-hmm. uh, to really be assessed because you're not in meaningful enough relationship that people can see the intricacies right. of your life right. such that they could irritate you out of certain patterns or habits or whatever. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they are because you communicate with them in a curated way where you can always only put forward what you would like to put forward. Right. Uh, and, and let me also speak to the fact that there are some really honest people. Mm-hmm. There are some really honest people who would absolutely just lay all their stuff out in right. a chat or in the comment right. section of whatever, you know. Right. Uh, and so there are certainly uh, those kinds of people out there. Uh, we frequently actually call them oversharers. Right, right. <laughs> they kind of stress everybody out a little exactly. bit, Exactly, <laughs> because we all, we all, except for the people that we're talking about, instinctively know that that's not the relational environment for that right. kind of sharing. Right. That's why those people make everybody else uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because everybody else knows, hey, you shouldn't be on Facebook right now. You should be in somebody's living room Mm -hmm. sharing that Mm -hmm. because somebody needs to be able to hold your hand. Somebody needs to be able to hug you. Somebody needs to be be able to look you in the eye and confront you or whatever it is. Right. And this is what I've run into with uh, online uh, type ministry, you know, just having... Uh, and that's where this that conversation we had about you saying, you know, saying stay in your lane had to do with me getting overburdened by an online community that I was running and ended up having to just close completely. I narrowed the the subject matter and that still wasn't enough. <laughs> I found myself getting overwhelmed um, just by and it was just because. It was because I don't know these people. Like, I don't know them face to face. I don't know their children. I don't know their husband. And, you know, one of the things that you said to me that was so good, and I think it's worth repeating again, because I did mention it in another podcast, is that these online things are supplemental. Mm-hmm. They are not meant to be the main thing. They're like a, a little addition to ev- to your real life right. being the main thing and real life relationships. And so the thing that where you encouraged me was, you know, you can't replace a woman's husband. You can't replace her pastor or her local church. So don't even try yeah. because, you know, and that's what you meant by staying in my lane. And so I found that even for me, I couldn't even do that with just the subject of homeschooling. Like it wasn't working. (laughs) So I just had to close the community completely and just pull way back and, um, you know, just really focus on uh, the real life relationships that I have and and doing it that way. I couldn't say it better than I've already said it then apparently. That's what you wanted me to tell you the first time when you brought it up. You're like, you already texted me this one. Say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So it was, uh, so that's been, that's been a huge blessing. And I, I realized after you said that, 
just being aware of how many times people um, inadvertently are actually replacing a husband's counsel, replacing yeah. a pastor's counsel, replacing yep. a local community's accountability. And you cannot do that yep. online. You just can't do yep. it. It's impossible. And that goes back to you can hide because right. you can always find some voice who will agree right. with what you actually want right. them to and say. This is why the local church is so important and why we had this conversation today yep. is because Perfect. we want to encourage you to find a local church. And apparently there's a there's obviously a, a whole gamut here. I think you covered it all. Um, so I really appreciate you being here and sharing all that. Yeah, thank you. All right, we'll close. I'm going to let you close in prayer. Yeah, let's okay. do it. Uh, Father God, this is so important. Uh, I believe that it is important enough that you actually commanded it. Mm -hmm. uh, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves. We need encouragement. We need life on life. We need people to have access to us. Uh, and in our sin, uh, we want to do exactly what Adam and Eve did when they sinned. What did they do? They hid. And uh, man, if we just have a screen separating us or whatever it is, then, then we can get away from all sorts of confrontation that actually needs to enter our lives that would if we were in a rightly ordered uh, local church. Uh, that is your gift to us. And so I just pray for encouragement and blessing uh, for these listeners who are in search of. Uh, I ask that you would humble them uh, where they need to be humbled and temper their expectations where those expectations need to be tempered, uh, but also make them uh, bold and forthright by actually drawing a line in the sand and saying, uh, but these are things that the Lord has just commanded. And so if you can't do that, it doesn't matter how good your jokes are, doesn't matter how great your band is, um, that's going to be a no for our family. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, if more of us would look at what your word says about a local church, there would in fact be more local churches because we'd be insisting on rightly ordered ones before mm -hmm. we would give money and give support and give attendance. And so, Lord, would you do a wonderful work of reformation and revival uh, by faithful families choosing faithful churches? And we trust that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>